Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. How are we doing, 9 a.m.? Are you doing well today? Hey, I'm excited to share the Word of God with you today. That isn't just me, like, trying to get people all hyped. You know, I think some people, I think some people are just like, hey, I'm just trying to get them all hyped up. But really, it's like a, in my opinion, it's like a test. It's a test to see how receptive you are of the Word today. And some people can be all hyped up and receptive to the Word of God, and some people can be like, let's see what he's got for me today. What I found out is that if you lean in and you listen, and tune your ear to hear from God, we could have a donkey up here preaching, and you'd still be able to get a word from God today because hungry people know how to eat. So are you hungry today for the word of God? Do you believe... Do you believe that before you even woke up today, that God has a word just for you? I believe that's a great place to be, to know that God has a word just for you. No matter what you came in here with, no matter what you're carrying, God knows. God knows, and he has something for you, and I believe that uh, uh, this word's going to be impactful for you today. How many of you guys brought your Bibles today? Let me see it. Grab that Bible. If it's on your phone, that's fine. Grab that Bible and turn to your neighbor and smack him in the face with it. And say, are you ready to receive the word of God? Yes, I'm joking. No, you don't need to really hit them. That was just a joke. But hey, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm excited to share the word of God with you guys today. My throat's still a little scratchy from men's conference. I think all that yelling and all that screaming, I think I might have to go get it looked at. Hopefully not. No, I don't think I'll need to. I think it'll be just fine. But uh, there may be some squeaking today as well as it was last week. But Romans 8, verse 18. Romans 8, verse 18 in our The Helen Back series. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation awaits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown in inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption of sonship, meaning it hasn't happened yet fully the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And here's that famous verse that many of us may know. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So today, I'm excited to be able to share with you, if you're taking notes in here, how many people do I have taking notes? Raise up your hand. That's fantastic. It's important to take notes. Pull out your phone, pull out the notes app. And because uh, you never know what God is going to speak to you today. 
and I'm excited to share from you on this thought. How the hell is God going to use this? I mean, have you ever asked that question? He's God. And I believe that God's going to speak to you today. And uh, so no matter what you're going through, no matter what you came in here with, I believe that you're going to get a word from God today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that it's sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow, penetrating to our innermost being. So God, I thank you also that your word does not return void, but it accomplished the purpose for which you sent it. So right now, God, we pray that you would open our eyes to see you, open our ears to hear you. Lord, you know what each and every single person came in here with. God, I pray that we would not be uh, overwhelmed uh, by our circumstance, God, but we would be able to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, we thank you. <laughs> That's good. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his shame. God, we thank you, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us today, God, because we're hungry for you. Right now, church, just open up your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm not convinced, guys. I'm not convinced. Hey, come on. Say it like you're hungry. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on. Let's put our hands together for Jesus today. Hey. Hey, I am excited to share with you guys today and uh, the word that God has given me today. And uh, I really want to share with you guys just kind of a, a concept of what does it mean to have to hell and back? What does that really even mean? And for many of us, we go through different seasons, different times in our lives, and we don't really know what the future is going to hold. And if this last two years has taught us anything, it teaches us that our future is full of uncertainty, right? It is full of uncertainty. And I believe that uh, even in our lives full of uncertainty, that we can, we can really be able to look to Christ. And the Bible says that do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble in itself. And uh, I think what we found, whether through the last few years, through pandemics, uh, inflation, sicknesses, disease, everything, job, job reports, and everything of that sort, is that everything that can be shaken in our lives will be shaken. Last week I said it, it's good when you feel that shaking and when you've hit rock bottom because through that shaking, eventually you hit that rock and you don't realize that that rock is actually the firm foundation of which you're called to stand upon. But this idea of firm foundation and this, and this, this shaking is actually found in Hebrews chapter 5. We'll pull it up here. Hebrews chapter 5. If it's up there, maybe it's Hebrews 12. I don't think it's Hebrews 12. Oh, here it is. Here, there, it was Hebrews 12. That's why they're like, Hebrews 5. We'll be sharing from Hebrews 5 a little bit later. It says, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving, take note of this, we're going to come back to uh, receiving a kingdom. Since we are receiving a kingdom, can I tell you that you are receiving a kingdom? Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The earth that you are made of, you are actually made from the dust. From the dust. That kingdom is actually supposed to resonate in and through you. God establishes his kingdom through his people. So he says, you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So indicate the removing of things that can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us therefore be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. 
So ultimately what God is after here is he is after shaking anything that keeps you from trusting from him, in him. It's here to keep you from trust, trusting in anything in your life. So no matter what you're going through in life, if you are putting your faith in that, whether it be your job, whether it be your relationships, whether it be the, the markets, whether it be the Dow, the NASDAQ, the, the S&P 500, if you're putting your faith in that, God is saying everything that you put your trust in will be shaken so that you can receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do you believe that today? Because ultimately God is after your trusting in him. God is after that you trust him. And, but some of you may be going through something right now in life. And I believe if you're not going through something, you're either going into something, in something, or coming out of something. And if you're coming out of something, you're probably going to be going back into something. So you may not be, you know, may be asking the question, I don't know what God's up to in my life. I mean, how many of y'all asked that question before? I, like, I don't know what God's up to in my life. And I don't know why I'm going through it. I don't know why I'm in it right now. But you got to take note of this, that just because you're in it doesn't mean that God is not over it. Just because you're in the middle of it, just because you're facing something in life, whether it be a trial or a proverbial hell, doesn't mean that God's not over it. Just because you're in it doesn't mean that God's not over it. And I can't help but think, who better to describe this idea of in it but knowing that God is over it than my man Paul? Paul, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, we talked about a little bit last week. Do you guys remember the story of him and Silas singing in the prison cell and then God created an earthquake and it shook the foundation of the prison cell and all the chains broke loose and all the prison doors opened. How many of you guys remember that from last week? Okay, so Paul now is, he's in prison again, except this time he's in prison in Rome. And he's writing the book of Philippians. He's writing it to the, the, the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi was named after uh, Alexander the Great's father, uh, Philip, King Philip II. And so he's writing to this place called Philippi. That's where we get the book of Philippians from. So it wasn't, it's not Philippines. That's in Southeast Asia. It's the, the city of Philippi, which if you look up, you'd be able to see some of the ruins of the old um, uh, Greek settlement back then. And so he's writing this note, and he's actually in prison in Rome, and he's writing it, and we pick up in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Isn't that just a weird approach to life? That when you see that, it doesn't matter if I'm in it, if I know that God's over it, God certainly can use it for his good, correct? That you can intend it for evil, but God can use it for his good. So Paul has this kingdom perspective, not an earthly perspective of his situation, not an earthly perspective of his circumstance. He has a kingdom perspective. God wants all of us to have a kingdom perspective about our circumstance. He says, what has happened to me is him being in jail, him being in prison for doing the right thing. He was going around healing people. He was going around casting out demons, but the people of that time didn't like what he was doing, so they threw him in jail. Has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, not in spite of, it says because of, because of my circumstance, because of my sickness, because of my disease, because of my foreclosure, because of my relationship issues, because of this, 
I'm able to see that most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Can I tell you, what is it about in your life that you can look at, hey, because of this, God can be glorified? See, because Paul's in Rome, right? And he's in prison in Rome. And he's in, when in Rome. <laughs> when in Rome, when in prison. I can count all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose, right? And so we don't see Paul sitting around creating a narrative about his deliverance, though. So Paul was already set free in Philippi. In, in Philippia. Remember, he was set free from prison, and here he is in prison in Rome again. And we don't see him saying, hey, I know God's going to deliver me. He actually goes a little bit further. He says, hey, whether I die here or I'm set free here, I know God can use it. Whatever this happens. So we don't see him creating a narrative about God's deliverance. We actually see him creating a narrative that revolves around him suffering for Christ. And I'm here to be able to establish a, a, a heavenly kingdom in your life because many of us are after the unicorns and rainbows. But we don't realize that in our lives, what it means to follow Jesus doesn't mean that it's all going to be uni unicorn and rainbows, my friend. There's going to be suffering involved with it. I mean, imagine that if we just went up to people and said, hey, you should follow Jesus. There's a lot of suffering involved. But then we don't know what to do with when people are actually following Jesus and suffering actually comes. And we say, and we go around and we say, hey, you know what? That's just, that's irrelevant. You're just going to, and then we try to find excuses to why bad things happen to good people. So here we are, and, and some of us are in these seats right now where we're like, I don't understand why bad things are happening to me. I thought I was supposed to follow Jesus and everything good. As a church, we have misled you. That that doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to be good. I do not see Paul going around and saying, yeah, but I'm going to decree and declare that here I am in prison. He doesn't. What Paul does is he says, I know that what has happened to me can be used by God. I know that what has happened to me can be used by God. It's not going to help you for me to go around and say, hey, God is good. Good things happen to God's people. I could give you a little sugar high. We could have that message right here, and I could stand, and I could share, hey, you know what? Good things are coming your way. You're going to live your best life now. Well, if you're living your best life now, sorry to break it to you, but hell is the next life you're living. Because your best life now means that you're not going to go to heaven because that's our best life. Paul constantly talks about a life beyond this one. That I'm not for this present momentary affliction that I'm going through right now is in no way comparable to the glory that will be revealed to us and in us and through us. So there is a suffering that is attached to Christianity. I know this isn't a popular message, but I feel like it's what God sent me to tell you today. That if we're going to go from hell to back, we got to be able to have a bigger perspective than just our present circumstance. If you don't get the job, are you still going to serve God? If you don't get the girl, are you still going to serve God? If you don't get the guy, are you still going to serve God? You don't get the position or the promotion or the contract deal, are you still going to serve God? If things happen to you that you did not deserve, are you still going to serve God? And I remember how we go through these things. They're actually meant to prepare us and to create obedience in us when we go through suffering because we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? 
Well, if we're going to follow Jesus, we should follow his example. So now we go to Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5 says, son though he was, talking about Jesus, he learned obedience from the good times. It doesn't say that. He says he learned obedience from what he suffered. I'm trying to give you a, a broader stroke of the Bible here today. I'm not after just giving you milk, okay? The Bible's very clear on that. There's, there's different teachings in the Bible that some are, are, are very, uh, um, how would I say, entry-focused. But I don't want to just come and tell you God is good because what do you do when things happen? God is good, yes, but it would be better for me to tell you God is good, bad things happen, bad things happen, but God is still good. That's something that you can build your life on. That's something that you can build a foundation on. So when you're saying up, well, the pastor said it was all going to be unicorn and rainbows, that the parachute on my back was going to make the plane ride so much better. I've given this illustration before, but many times we go to people and we say, hey, you should wear this parachute on this plane ride because it'll make your plane ride so much better. How many know if you got a big old parachute on your back, you're going to be uncomfortable in your seat? But if they ever say, hey, you should wear this parachute on your plane ride because at any moment this plane, plane is going to break in half. How many know you'd be holding on to that parachute for dear life? And so if, if there's any kind of misleading when it comes to Scripture, one of them that I can see is that your life is going to be perfect. It's not. Because we're still living in a sinful world. We're still living in a hard world. But God is producing something in you. So you got to get this. you got to have a bigger perspective that God is making something out of you. He's forming you to be like Jesus. Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. We know this in James chapter 1. James chapter 1 says that he consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. So now do you see what, where we're getting here, how, how, how the Bible has a theme, has a narrative. When we're going through times, it's not a narrative always about our deliverance, but in the midst of our suffering, how we can still choose to glorify God. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces something, perseverance. Now let perseverance finish its work so that you may remain be mature and complete, not lacking anything, because God is after your full development. He's not after you continuing to drink milk. He's after your full development. It says, consider it joy when he disciplines you. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but we respect our fathers for it, our earthly fathers for disciplining us. How much more should we respect our heavenly father for disciplining us as well? This, this is some deep teaching. I hope that you can carry uh, carry this today. It says, let perseverance finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's the verse that I've heard quoted my entire life. Hey, if you lack wisdom, lack wisdom, just ask God. That's true. That is true, but it is actually relative in this. I just Check. There we go. It's true, but in this scripture, that is in relation to suffering. So what James is saying here, that is that if you lack wisdom in what you are suffering and why you're suffering and how you're suffering, you just need to ask God. You need to say, God, help me, help me to know what I'm going through and why I'm going through it. You got to be able to ask God, if you don't know the season that you're going through right now, 
you got to be able to ask God. you got to be able to go and say, God, I know I'm going through hell, quote unquote, right now. Give me wisdom so I can see how you can use it for your good. Because many of us are in the situation in life where we don't see how God's going to use this. What's the title of the message? How the hell is God going to use this? How many ever wondered how? Right? Whether it be the cancer, whether it be the job loss, and you guys can take that down, whether it be the, the difficulty in life, we all have been wondering how. How can God use this? I was in a point in my life, and uh, I, I, was, I was going through a lot. And I remember going to my friend. Uh, he, he wasn't really my friend yet, but he's a prominent man of God. And he just, he's like, share, share with me what God's going through. I was like, well, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got that, I got this. And I wasn't complaining. I was just sharing with them. I mean, but we're all just, I'm just sharing. I think I was a little bit complaining, you know, and I was guilty of that. And he started smiling at me. I mean, how frustrated would that make you if you're sitting there sharing with someone your hell that you're going through, and they're just smiling back at you? But he's been around the ring a few times. He's been around it a few times. He's a little bit older, a lot older than me, and he's just smiling at me. He goes, how old are you? And I gave him my age, and he's like, this is good. Uh, how is it good? He says, because God is doing something in you. Can I tell you, a person that's been around it a few times can see how God can use it for his good. He says, I know you're in the middle of it, and it doesn't seem pleasant at the moment, but God is building a testimony in you that you would not be able to have without this trial. God is building something in you. And I'm like, oh, how is God going to get it to work? Well, no, it doesn't matter how. Paul didn't know how God was going to do it. It doesn't matter if you don't need to know how God is going to use it. You don't need to know how when you know who. You don't need to know how God's going to make it work in your life. You don't got to when you know whose you are, whose I am, and whom I serve. I know that I'm a child of God. So come hell or high water, I know that he is with me. I know that he is for me. I know that he is strong. I know that he is mighty. So it doesn't matter what I go through in life because I know whose I am. I know whose I am. So Paul goes a little bit further in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, he's talking about his situation and how people are preaching out of Christ and basically cursing Paul and saying Paul's not a real preacher and then they're doing it out of their own motive. And he uses this word, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. So he has a kingdom perspective. And because of this, I rejoice. Because of this, I rejoice. Because of this, because I know God can work all things for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And he goes on a little bit further, and we think, oh, deliverance, that means he's coming out of prison. No, he says, even if I die or not, even if I die or not, but then he keeps going. He says, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, now he's talking to the church at Philippi, but also to suffer for him. 
since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I still have. So here Paul is giving them hope for the struggle that they're, he said, I've gone through it too. What if the struggle that you're going through is actually there to give strength to someone else that is going to be going through the same struggle soon? So Paul is able to base his life, it's not about my present momentary circumstance. It's about the foundation in which I stand. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. And so in your life, if you put your trust in other things, if you put your trust in anything else other than Jesus, it will be shaken until you land on that rock. So even now, Paul's talking to them about, hey, it's okay to be able to suffer, but also to suffer for him. Now, in this, in this, in this idea of, of suffering for God, there's a key word that I want you to remember, and Paul describes it just a few verses later in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. So God is working something in you. You got to believe and know today and trust that God is working something in you. Do you believe that this morning? Say this. Say this with me. Say, God. I can't, only a third of you said that. Say this. Say, God is working in me. Say, God is working in me. Do you believe that? God is working in you. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. His good purpose. His good purpose. His good purpose in your life. His purpose. Not your purpose. His purpose. God is after developing you into a whole person. His purpose in his kingdom, his kingdom in your life. So how else is God going to work his good purpose in your kingdom if it's clouded with your own good purpose? So there's times in your life where things are going to have to get shaken a little bit so that you can have the foundation be of Jesus. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. God is trying to establish that in you. And in me. So here's this kingdom, this idea of kingdom. Remember, like, just because you're in it doesn't mean that God's not over it. And you don't need to know how God is going to work it out when you know who is working it out. But what is this kingdom that cannot be shaken in your life? I want to share with you a particular passage found in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, Jesus is saying a parable. He, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. He does not know how doesn't know how. And this is the only gospel that shares this particular story. This isn't the story of the seed and the weeds grow up and choke it out or they fall on rocks or 
the birds come in. This is a different story. So the man that is throwing the seed is not Jesus. It is actually you. Because if it were Jesus, it wouldn't be right for Jesus to say that he does not know how. Jesus knows how, but you don't. But just because you don't know how, you know who, doesn't mean that you stop sowing if you don't know how. So in your life, you're going through, you're throwing seed, and you're planting the word of God in your life, and you're saying, I don't know how this word, God all things for the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose. I don't know how this is going to help me in the middle of my situation, but I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep casting seed into my life. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep planting seed in my life. I don't know how this is going to work. Pastor says, write down these scripture verses and say them in the mirror over and over again. I don't know how that's going to work. Pastor says, hey, uh, you, you should start giving. You should start tithing. You should start giving some money to God so that you're not always trusting in yourself. I don't know how. That's backward economics. Well, I guess it works for the government, so it might work for me. I don't know how. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how, but I know who. And you're going to say, I don't know how the hell God is going to get this to work out. I don't know how. I do not know. Though he does not know. You don't need to know. You do stop trying to play God. If you knew, that would make you God and you don't need him. You don't need to know. You got to continue to sow. Write this down. You cannot wait to know before you sow. You cannot wait to know. I cannot wait to know. I don't know how this is going to help my marriage, but I got to sow into some marriage courses. I don't know how this is going to help my, my life, but I'm going to keep reading the Bible. I don't know how, but I'm going to keep praying. I don't know how, but I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep gathering. I don't know how this is going to help, but I'm going to keep sowing. I'm going to keep scattering seed in your life. You cannot wait until you know before you sow. you got to be a man and a woman that sows. I got to keep sowing. I got to keep sowing. Keep sowing when you don't see the fruit. Keep sowing when you don't see the harvest. Keep sowing when it doesn't make sense. Keep coming to church. Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Keep reading the word. Keep getting in community. Keep on sowing. Because that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. He kept sowing even though he didn't know. Because my faith is not in how it's going to happen. My faith is in who. My faith is in who. How is it going to work out? I know God can work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's such a great verse, isn't it? I love it. I absolutely love that verse. And I quote it all the time. But as I was reading, it came up. Romans 8, 28. I was reading it again. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I've always, I've always highlighted this part right here. For the good. Well, whose perspective is good? The focus of this verse is not in good. But the focus of this verse is that you're called. And if you're called, no one can snatch you out of his hand. 
though God is with you, nothing can stand against you. How's that go? When came, or rain came, you sing it because my voice is shot. What is it? Rain came. Rain came when my house was built on you. So it's the fact that I'm called. In my life, I'm called. And so good for whose purpose? According to his purpose. His good purpose. And so we have these seeds that you're planting in your life. And the soil represents uncertainty. That you don't know how God is going to use this. You don't even know when it's going to come up. You can water it. You can till the soil. But there's something that happens inside that soil. There's something that happens in there that actually produces life. That actually produces a plant. That would not happen if it was not planted. So scattering these seeds, I can only think of Jesus and how he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. Someone who scatters seed doesn't know how it's going to grow, but then it starts to grow. And I can only think of Jesus, that Jesus who learned obedience from what he suffered, endured hardship, considered it the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising its shame. So here we have Jesus. The joy set before him was you and me. The joy set before Jesus, the reason why Jesus went to the cross, he didn't have to go to the cross, but in order for you to be reunited with God, he had to go to the cross. The joy set before him was you. I don't care what you've done. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care what you did last night. You are the joy set before him. So he had endured the cross. He learned obedience by what he suffered. And when he died on the cross, he was buried like a seed but something happened when he died on the cross many scholars believe that the Bible says that he took the, the keys of hell and the grave he took them and this is this is this isn't exactly in the Bible but many people believe and scholars believe that what happened to Jesus after he died is very practical if he bore your sin where would he go he would go to hell so he went to hell for you, to pay the price for you, but he said God would not leave his soul in Hades. He says, I know God won't leave me in Hades. So he kicks open those doors of hell. He grabs those keys and go like, all right, God, I'm ready. Call me back up. I paid the price for these sins, but since I was a pure, pure righteous person, holy before you, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. Because you're, you're going to work for your good purpose, God. According to your purpose, I know you're going to work. And I know your purpose is that I can't stay here. I may be planted here. I may be buried here. But I'm not going to stay here. And three days later, he rises from the grave to become king above all kings, name above all names. And so when someone looked at him and said Jesus was buried, Jesus looked at it and says, no, 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 no. I was planted. I was planted you got to have that in your heart. That you may feel like you're under it right now and that you can't see any way of getting out. And you're covered in proverbial dirt. And the seed of your life is getting drowned out. You can't even see any glimpse of sunshine. But you got to be able to know in your heart. You're planted, not buried. You're planted, 
you're not buried. And God can use it for his good. Why? Because I know who God is. I don't know how, but I know who. Joseph said it like this. Joseph was thrown into a pit. Joseph got a dream from God. Joseph got a big old dream from God. How many of y'all had a big old dream from God? I got a big old dream from God. And next thing, he gets thrown into a pit. He gets sold off into slavery. He gets promoted into Potiphar's house and then second in command and then someone lies about him. Then he gets thrown into prison again for two years. At least two years. And then he comes out, he interprets Pharaoh's dream and then he becomes second in command of all of Egypt, which Egypt was the most powerful nation in, that, in the world at that time. He goes from the pit to the palace. But he trusted God. You didn't see him cursing God. But he has this ability to have hindsight over his circumstance in Genesis 50, verse 20. He says to his brothers, you intended to harm me by throwing me into the pit, but God intended it for good, his good purpose to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You can stand to your feet. You could be coming into something in the middle of something or going out of something right now. And I don't know how God is going to use it. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you how God's going to use it. But I can tell you who my God is and who our God is and that he can work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But that's the thing. The good things isn't the purpose. His purpose is the promise. You may think that how you thought it was going to work out is his purpose. But we're actually after his purpose. That's what we want in life. We're after him. What good is it to get the whole world if you forfeit your soul? What good is it to get every single thing that you've ever wanted but you miss out on the one thing that really mattered. I don't want you to get to the end of your life. That's why I felt like it's so important to be able to, to, to share this with you. Colossians 1.27 says that, 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 that what is inside you is Christ in you, the hope of glory, that kingdom seed that was planted in you that sometimes need to be shaken around a little bit for it to be revealed through you. Romans 8.18, which is what we started with, that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So I believe God's working in your life. And if you have trouble seeing that today, take some of my faith. I, I haven't been through all of it. I don't pretend to have gone through all of it. And I don't know what it's like, what you're going through. But I know God works because you're called. And he's going to continue to work. So you got to be confident in that. That no matter what you're going through, this is one of my favorite life verses in Philippians 1.6. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. If he began a good work in you, he's going to see it through to completion. you got to believe it. You've got to believe it. So no matter what you're going through, and you may be wondering how God is going to use this, put that kind of stuff to the side. Say, God, I don't need to know how, because I know who.
God, I know I'm in it right now, but I know you're over it. So I'm not going to worry about knowing. I'm just going to keep on sowing. Because I know, God, I'm not buried here. I'm planted. And it's only a matter of time, God, before I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I want you to be able to borrow some of my faith today. So if you're in this place and you're saying, I'm really going through it. We'll, we'll just stay right here. Yeah, I'm really going through it right now. I don't know how this is going to work out. I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you today. If you just lift up your hand. Slip up your hand. Some of you guys I know. Some of you I've been, I've been walking with, been having phone calls with. Some of the other pastors in here have been, have been as well, and the directors have been helping. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Let's pray for you today. Father God, we thank you for every single hand that has gone up today. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you give peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in you. God, so no matter whether it be relational struggles, no matter whether it be financial, God, even calling and dreams and your purpose, working in and through your people, Father, I pray that they would find themselves standing on a solid rock. God, though rain came, wind blew, they knew their house was built on you. So, Father, we pray that they would feel you close. God, I thank you. Your word says that you comfort us in all of our affliction. So, Holy Spirit, you, Father, G Jesus, you said that you sent your Holy Spirit to comfort us. He is the comforter. So do what you do best, God, and comfort your people in the midst of their affliction, that we may learn obedience through what we suffer. God, that we may be able to fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith. God, that we can see how you can work all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We declare it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.